What is going on, sports fans? Welcome to Season 6, Episode 3 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. We've got a lot to get to on this week's show, including recapping Week 2 of the NFL season in 2023. A lot of games, a lot of storylines. The first two weeks of the season have impacted my playoff predictions in both the AFC and the NFC, so we will go ahead and update you guys on those as well. We're going to recap every game in week two in the fastest five minutes, do a deep dive on every game, including Browns, Steelers, Monday Night Football. The Steelers beat the Browns in a very winnable game for the Browns, and the Browns lose more than just the game. We'll talk about the Nick Chubb injury, my reaction to it, and much, much more. Without further ado, let's go. to Season 6, Episode 3 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. I'm your host with the most too sweet to be sour at the top of the hour. It's your man Jack Bernie here with you for the next hour talking all things sports. We get started in the National Football League. Today is Tuesday, September 19th, Week 2. We start in Minnesota where the Vikings took on the Eagles on Thursday night football. The Eagles did what they do best, running the ball. And in a paying homage to e- known Eagles fan Taylor Swift, they gave the ball to their own Swift. DeAndre, that is, as he had a record-breaking game for the Eagles, topping 150 yards and leading the Philadelphia backfield. The Eagles played sloppy, but they found a way to win. Kirk Cousins put up a good stat line, but in the end, the Vikings, who were 11-0 in one-score games a season ago, fall to 0-2 in one-score games this season, and it looks like Minnesota's season is already slipping away. As the Eagles fly, 34-28. We go to Cincinnati for an AFC North showdown where the Ravens took on the Bengals. In a battle of two quarterbacks that got absolutely paid this offseason, Lamar Jackson looked like the quarterback that was worth the money. Lamar was incredible. Though the stat line just shows he had completed 24-33 passes for 237 yards and two touchdowns and only ran for 54 yards, his fingerprints were all over this game, and he always had the game in control for the Ravens. And I'll tell you, folks, Lamar is top five. And we keep forgetting that every year because he goes down with an injury. If he can stay healthy, this Ravens team is winning the AFC North. Meanwhile, Cincinnati's struggles continue, but they looked better in the second half. But the big concern for the Bengals is Joe Burrow. Reports are saying he might not play Monday. And if the Bengals get to 0-3, I don't think there will be playoff football in Cincinnati come January. As the Ravens win 27-24. We go to Detroit where the Seahawks and the Lions took on each other in a game that always seems to have a lot of points. This one required more than four quarters. Geno Smith 
Looks like the Geno of the first half of last year, completing 32 passes for 328 yards and two touchdowns, including a game-winning touchdown to Tyler Lockett in overtime. The Lions' offense turned the ball over five times, and Jared Goff broke his interception streak. But the biggest problem for Detroit is not the offense, but the defense. The Lions need to stop more people if they really want to reach those high expectations. As the Seahawks win, 37-31. We go to Houston in the battle of rookie quarterbacks where the Colts took on the Texans. Anthony Richardson got off to a hot start in this one, running in two fourth quarter, first quarter touchdowns, but left the game with a concussion. But never fear, Minshew Mania is here. Gardner came in off the bench and was sparkling, only throwing four incompletions and throwing one touchdown. The Colts win 31-20, but the good news for the Texans, C.J. Stroud became the first Ohio State quarterback to ever Top 300 yards in the NFL, and he threw two touchdowns as well as the Colts win 31-20. Up next, we take you to Tampa Bay where Baker Mayfield is 2-0, huh? That's right, Baker's career revival continues on as he threw for over 300 yards and a touchdown, leading the Bucks to a 27-17 win over the Bears. And the problems in Chicago are very, very bad. The Bears have now lost 12 games in a row, and a lot of people are questioning if Justin Fields is indeed the answer at quarterback. The Buccaneers win 27-17. We, we go to Jacksonville, where it was a divisional playoff rematch between the Chiefs and the Jags. The Chiefs got off to a slow start offensively in this one, but Travis Kelsey helped them shake it off. As he found the end zone in his return to the field, Mahomes was great on his birthday, throwing for 305 yards and two touchdowns. And the Chiefs defense, led by Chris Jones, who also made his season debut, helped shut down the Jags offense and hold them to only nine points. As the Chiefs look sloppy, but get their first win of the year, 17-9. How about we go to Atlanta, where the Packers took on the Falcons. The Packers were feeling the love early as Jordan Love threw three touchdown passes. But in the end, it was Desmond Ritter leading a second-half comeback. And what can you say about Bijan Robinson, the rookie with 124 yards on the ground, as the Falcons beat the Packers on a game-winning field goal, 25-24. How about we go to Orchard Park next? Jimmy Garoppolo led a 75-yard touchdown drive to put the Raiders up early in this one. And from there, the Bills outscored them 38-3. The reports of Josh Allen's death were greatly, were greatly exaggerated as the quarterback threw for 275 yards and three touchdowns and reminded everybody, oh yeah, he's still a top five quarterback in the league. As the Bills win, 38-10. We go to Tennessee where the Chargers took on the Titans. In a battle of two teams that really didn't want to win this game, it was the Titans that came out on top as Ryan Tannehill led a game-winning drive in overtime, only threw four incompletions, looking like a totally different quarterback than he was in week one. But what can you say about the Chargers? Herbert puts up a great stat line, Keenan Allen over 100 yards and two touchdowns. The Chargers are the first team in NFL history to score over 50 points and have 400 yards of offense in each of their first two games and start 0-2 as the Titans win 27-24. We go to Englewood where the 49ers took on the Rams, but there was a lot of red in the stadium. You couldn't tell it was a Rams home game. Brock Purdy looked rusty, but the 49ers have too much talent as they beat the Rams 30-23. A few games left. How about we take you to Arizona, where the Cardinals looked like a team that was not tanking for Caleb Williams as they raced out to a 20-0 halftime lead against the Giants. But then Cardinals owner showed Jonathan Gannon a picture of Caleb Williams at halftime, and the Giants rattled off 31 second-half points to beat the Cardinals 31-28. We go to Dallas, where all I can say is Micah Parsons is good, Zach Wilson is bad. Cowboys beat the Jets. 30-10. We go to Denver where the Commanders took on the Broncos. Commanders fell down early, but Sam Howell and the two running backs, Antonio Gibson and, B and Brian Robinson, 
led the Commanders on a furious comeback as they led by eight with less than a minute to go in this one. Russell Wilson's prayers were answered as he completed a Hail Mary in the end zone with seconds to go, but the Broncos couldn't get the two as they fall to 0-2 as left hand up. Commanders are 2-0. 35-33. We go to Foxborough where the Dolphins took on the Patriots. Tua had another fantastic game and is the frontrunner for MVP of the NFL. Raheem Mostert punched two touchdowns in and the Patriots fell inches short of completing an improbable comeback. Dolphins win 24-17. We go to Carolina where the Saints defense was in full force. Derek Carr played sloppy but good enough as the Saints win 2017. And finally, we go to Pittsburgh. The air was taken out of this one early as Nick Chubb went down with a gruesome injury. But in the end, it was the Steelers' defense making the play of the night as T.J. Watt strip-sacked Deshaun Watson. Alex Highsmith strip-sacked Deshaun Watson, excuse me. And T.J. Watt picked it up and returned it for a touchdown. Steelers win 26-22. Week two, 2023 NFL season in the books. That was your fastest five minutes in football. Recapping every game quickly, a little like one sentence recap or two or three sentence recap from every game in week two. And it was a good week. There were some good games this week. A lot of, you know, teams that really showed there for real potentially two weeks in. The Ravens impressed me a lot. I was really impressed with the Cowboys. Again, they played two bad teams, but that defense, Micah Parsons is something else. War, we're going to get to that, but we're, we got to start with the Cleveland Browns. Um, Steelers 26, Browns 22. The Browns lose for the 20th straight season, a road regular season game in Pittsburgh. The Steelers win 26-22. Um, we got to start with Nick Chubb. I mean, I'm going to talk about this game a little bit more in depth a little later because this game was still very, very winnable for the Browns. Uh, the Steelers' offense was awful last night. I cannot overstate how awful the Steelers' offense looked. But the Steelers found a way to win because they're well-coached. They have a better coach than the Browns. But we gotta get, we're going to put that on pause. we got to get to Nick Chubb. Um, so, the Browns are at a crossroads. Um, Nick Chubb, he had 10 carries for 64 yards last night. He was was the best player on the field. And then in the early, I think it was early in the second quarter, Nick Chubb goes down um, with a gruesome, gruesome leg injury. It's the same leg where he tore his ACL, MCL, and LCL in 2015 when he was a member of the University of Georgia Bulldogs against Tennessee. So the leg is completely reconstructed already. I was watching this game with my friend Matt at his apartment. Um, I had a great birthday weekend, got to go home, see my friends and family, and I decided, why don't we extend the weekend one more day, watch Monday Night Football, Brown Steelers. And so I watched it with my friends, and um, I saw Chubb go down. I saw he was hurt. I didn't know how serious it was because they wouldn't show the replay. But then you heard, so they wouldn't show the replay because of how gruesome the injury was at first. But then you heard the Pittsburgh fans in the stadium react to Chubb's injury, and they were they just groaned. Oh, like the, like the stadium, you could tell the minute the replay was put up on the big screen. And if you can watch the video, if you on any social media, I'm sure it's on Twitter, I'm sure it's on Facebook. Chubb gets hit in the knee by Minka Fitzpatrick, and Chubb's knee basically bends the wrong way, and it is one of those injuries you don't want to see. Um, his season is over. He's out for the season. Um, it really sucks. I mean, as a Browns fan, I'm devastated. It's one of the worst five Browns losses I can remember in recent memory. And the loss of Chubb, who has been, who has the, who is without a doubt the best Browns running back I've seen in my lifetime. One of the best Browns I've seen in my lifetime in 23 years of living. He is one of the best. I've seen pl- where the orange and brown and um, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I think he is the best running back in the league and um, it was a real gut punch and you could tell it took a lot of air out of the team last night as well. 
after the injury went down. And I mean, you have to ask. I mean, I don't want to speculate. If anyone can make a recovery from this injury, they haven't reported what it is. What we do know is he has torn multiple ligaments in his knee, and it's the same knee that he did have a full reconstruction of the ACL, LCL, and MCL back in 2015 of. So, I mean, I don't want to say it, but you have to wonder if he can play again. I mean, it's safe to ask that question. If anyone can bounce back, it's him. He's an incredible worker. He's an incredible work ethic. He's extremely humble. Everybody in the league seems to love him. There is an outpouring of support around the league for Nick Chubb. And um, I truly hope he comes back and is better than ever. But, I mean, right now, I mean, you just have to feel for him, feel for his family, feel for the Browns. I mean, feel for the fans. I mean, it's just a, it's just a tough situation. But with that being said, there are no more excuses for this Browns team. They are at a crossroads, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the Chubb injury is is a huge is a huge monumental loss. He's your best offensive player. Um, running the ball with him was such a vital part of what the Browns have done since he came into the league in 2018. He's the heart and soul of the team. He's frankly one of the hearts and souls of this city sports wise like him and Jose Ramirez are the two guys that come to my mind when I think heart and soul of Cleveland sports it's Nick Chubb and Jose Ramirez and those two are like 1A and 1B and I mean just to lose someone like that normally is a death sentence on on a season I tweeted it if you guys follow me on Twitter at the real J Burns I had some some uh a, a lot of negative reactions to the game last night but as soon as Chubb went down and I he was getting carted off and I knew that his season was most likely over, I, of course, tweeted that the season is over. But sitting here, reflecting, having 24 hours to reflect on what I saw, watching the remainder of the game, the season cannot be over because you lost Nick Chubb. I get that he is so important. He's your star running back. He's... You know, he's your star running back. He's the heart and soul of the offense. He's your best offensive player. But the season cannot be over because you have an elite defense. The defense has been outstanding through two weeks. Jim Schwartz has come in and completely turned the defense around, it seems, against two divisional opponents. Last night, the Steelers won the game against the Browns despite not running a play inside the Browns 30-yard line, the Steelers didn't take a snap in the red zone. And entering the fourth quarter down three points, 22-19, to the Steelers had generated negative seven yards of offense in the fourth quarter, and they still beat the Browns. But, like I said, Chubb injury, it is, it's, you know, it's a huge loss, but it is what it is. Injuries are a part of the game. You have to have that next man up mentality. I don't know if it's Jerome Ford. I don't know if it's Kareem Hunt. They got to figure it out. But the season cannot be considered over. They're at a crossroads because that game last night was very winnable. And there are a couple of reasons why they didn't win. One, the Steelers have a better coach than you. Mike Tomlin is a better coach than Kevin Stefanski. Nobody is arguing that. Two, the offensive line played god-awful. I'm sorry. I'm done with Jedrick Wills. I'm sure he's a great kid. He seems to say and do all the right things. Not on the football field, though. He is god-awful. He got beat time and time again by T.J. Watt. I get T.J. Watt's a great player, but he should not be in the backfield at every play. And then you hear T.J. Watt after the game saying he knew what plays were running. Uh, That's an indictment on Kevin Stefanski, is it not? The Browns had four turnovers. They lost three fumbles. Deshaun Watson threw a pick six on the first play of the game. Um, and then the strip sack fumble that was returned for a touchdown by TJ Watt, of all people, was the difference in the game. But the season cannot be over. They need to bounce back and win Sunday at home against the Titans team that, quite frankly, I think they have more talent on. And the reason the season cannot be over 
despite losing Nick Chubb, is because you are paying $230 million guaranteed to your starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who I have sat here the last year and a half and said, yes, the off the field stuff is an issue. Yes, they made a big risk trading for this player, but the Browns have not had a quarterback of the caliber of Deshaun Watson since Bernie Kosar. And I said, yes, you traded three first-round picks. Yes, you gave him all this guaranteed money despite all the off-field issues. But if he is the player he was in Houston in 2020, you are opening a Super Bowl window. And folks, Deshaun Watson has not been anything close to what he was in Houston. Quite frankly, he's been worse than Baker Mayfield was for the majority of his tenure in Cleveland. We have seen better quarterback play since 1999 than we have seen, in some instances, than we have seen through eight games of three-time Pro Bowler, highest guaranteed contract in NFL history, Deshaun Watson. And I know that it's been eight games. It's half a season. He's running out of excuses. I know it's only week two, but at some point, the elite quarterback who you're paying top-tier money to has to put aside the excuses and win football games. Last night, that the Browns had no business losing that game because of how poorly the Steelers' offense played. They had one offensive touchdown. It was a 70-yard pass from Kenny Pickett to George Pickens, and they did not run a play inside the Browns' 30-yard line. They had negative seven yards of offense in the fourth quarter in a game which they trailed by three. The Browns just needed to have one good drive to put the game away. But instead, no. Jedrick Wills gets beat on the outside by Alex Highsmith. Deshaun Watson turns the ball over for the fourth time. And TJ Watt scoops it up, runs it into the end zone. And those ugly, terrible towels are waving around once again. I'm sick and tired of losing to the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the worst Steelers team I have seen in 23 years of existence, and the Browns still couldn't beat them in Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett is Brandon Whedon. Najee Harris is Trent Richardson. And it didn't matter because you couldn't block because your quarterback has gotten sacked 13 times in the last two years when you played the Pittsburgh Steelers because your $230 million quarterback turns the ball over too much. And on your last drive, he couldn't make any of the throws. He's shown rust. I get that maybe it's mental. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. He's out of excuses now. He is out of excuses now, Deshaun Watson. He has to step up and be the player and be the leader this team is paying him to be and expects him to be. Nick Chubb, heart and soul of the team, was not voted a captain this year. Was a captain last year, not a captain this year. You know who was voted a captain in his place? Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of this team. Yes, I understand that an injury, a gruesome injury at that, a season-ending injury like that can, you know, be a gut punch to a team. Can take a team out of a game. The Browns were in that game. The defense was in that game. But they, they failed once again because the quarterback looks like a shell of him, a shell of his former self. I was sitting there watching that game last night. After the TJ Watt play, I said, the Browns are not going to win. They are not going to win this game. He is not going to drive the team down the field for a touchdown. And I was right. And I shouldn't think like that for a guy that's getting paid $230 million guaranteed. You have the weapons. Yes, you don't have Nick Chubb, but you have the receiving core. You have Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones. You have an elite defense. The offensive line struggled, but... You are expected to be this Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who in your last full season, you were led the league in passing. You threw for almost 5,000 yards. And now you're turning the ball over four times against the, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm just done. I, I, I'm done. I mean, I know, 
I've defended Watson on this podcast. I've I defended the move because it was an all-in move, and I thought the Brown. I I knew that Baker Mayfield, despite how good he's looked through two weeks in Tampa, was not the quarterback that was going to get you to a Super Bowl. But Deshaun Watson looked like that guy in Houston, and I thought if we can get that guy here in Cleveland, the Browns have a window. And he's looked nothing like the player they traded for, nothing like the player the fans want him to be. But he's going to be your quarterback through at least the start of next year because of all the money you're paying him. So that means you can't punt on this season, so to say. You have to go all in to win this year because you have an elite defense. Kevin Stefanski's job is on the line. I think if they don't make the playoffs, Stefanski is going to get fired. And now you don't have Nick Chubb as your safety blanket. Nick Chubb, for the last three years has covered up a lot of issues offensively, schematically, with this team because of how talented a player he is. Now, that's gone. Now it's all on Watson. We heard in the offseason the Browns were turning the keys over to Watson. They were going to run an air raid, pass-heavy offense in a passing league. You need to be able to pass to win the game. And the Browns, now, you have no excuses not to do it. Watson has to perform. It's as simple as that. It starts this week against the Titans, a team I think the Browns should beat. Yes, for I think Mike Vrabel is a lot better coach than Kevin Stefanski, but you should be able to beat this Tennessee team on your home field. And if you can beat the, the Tennessee team on your home field, get to 2-1, and one, Watson plays well, rally the troops, regroup, get ready for week four and against Baltimore, win, and then, you're in, then you have your bye week. If you're 2-1 going into that Baltimore game, you, you'll feel fine about your chances to make the playoffs. But if you get run off the field, like we have been before by Tennessee in our, on our home turf, then the season is going to go down the drain quickly. Quite simple. Kevin Stefanski said it best today. He said, if anyone can bounce back from this injury, it's Nick Chubb. But right now, we got to work hard and perform because that's what Nick would want us to do. No more excuses for anybody on this Browns team. This year was always a make-or-break year for Kevin Stefanski. It was always a make-or-break year for the Cleveland Browns. Quite frankly, it was always a make-or-break year for Deshaun Watson. Now, the ball is in his court. No more excuses. You had a full offseason to prepare. You got to figure it out. And I refuse, I refuse to believe that a guy who the last time he played a full season was an all-pro, led the league in passing, forgot how to be a good quarterback, despite how much time he missed. But through eight games in Cleveland, he hasn't had one good game. You could say he had a good game against Washington where he threw three touchdowns. He only completed 50% of his passes. Can we at least – I mean, we – and the thing that annoys me, and I'm going to get to the other games, I promise. i am just got a lot on my heart with the Nick Chubb injury and the state of the Browns. And I know you guys listen to this podcast. Some of you listen for my Browns takes, so I appreciate you listening. But I'm sorry. The thing with Watson is we are not asking him to be the guy he was in Houston. Yes, it would be nice if he could – Lead the league in passing. But with this defense, I don't think you need him to be that guy. I think you just need him to complete 65% of his passes. Throw for like 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Pretty average year. You just need to be in the top half of quarterbacks, which a guy you're paying $230 million guaranteed to, that should not be an issue. So, I don't know. They're at a crossroads. This week three game, I, I hate to label a week three game a must win, but it's a must win for the Browns, for confidence, for for everything. I mean, it's a big, big season for Watson. Um, I think a lot of it's mental, his problems. He, I mean, he's shown flashes. He had a great training camp. He made some throws yesterday. But you got to put it together, man, because I'll tell you what. I mean, it feels like. The Browns rebuild since 2016, you know, since the 1-15 in year in 2016 has been leading up to this season. 
This was finally the year. You have the franchise quarterback who you traded three first-round picks for. They're paying all this money. You had the franchise running back. You had the elite offensive line. You had an elite defense, new defensive coordinator. This was the year the Browns were supposed to start to put it all together. Now you lose the running back. You know, the quarterback hasn't played well. And if Watson doesn't turn it around, this is going to be one of the worst trades in NFL history for the Browns. One of the worst contracts in NFL history for the Browns. And it will be a dark, dark rebuild ahead of the Browns. If Watson does not turn it around quickly, there's no more excuses for the Browns, for Watson, for Stefanski, for anybody. It's time to perform like Nick Chubb would want them to do. That's my soapbox on the Browns. Thank you for listening. That took up nearly 30 minutes. Well, I guess we had the fastest five minutes, but we just talked for 20 minutes about the Browns and Nick Chubb. So I apologize for the long-windedness of that conversation. All right, so... Elsewhere in the NFL week two, um, the team that I th- one of the teams that impressed me most was the Baltimore Ravens, and I think part of the reason why is because of how good Lamar Jackson was. I mentioned it in the fastest five minutes. Lamar had his pulse on that game. It never felt like it was out of the Ravens' hands because of how well, how efficient, how much control Lamar had of the offense when he was out there on the field. And if he's playing like that. The Ravens can beat anybody in the league. I talked about it with Chauncey, and he's obviously a Ravens fan, so he's probably thrilled I'm saying this. But the last two years, Lamar, when Lamar has gone out, the Ravens have been near the top of the AFC, and I think he's going to stay healthy this year. And if he does, the Ravens are going to win the North. I was really impressed with the Ravens. Some other teams that impressed me, I mean, the 49ers and Cowboys look like the two best teams in the NFC, maybe in football. Um... Micah Parsons might be the best player in all of football. That's another takeaway I had. I mean, he is something else. I mean, I've he's been drawing Lawrence Taylor comparisons, which is crazy to me in my opinion. But, I mean, is it is it crazy, you know? But um, there's a lot of 2-0 teams. I mean, the Dolphins are 2-0. They've really impressed me. I mean, offensively, they're one of the best teams in the league. I mean, Tua, Tua, I mean, I'm not a 2 I'll say this. I'm not a Tua believer. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I think Tua, um, I've doubted Tua in the past, but through two games this year and what we saw last year when Tua was healthy, he is, he is the guy in Miami. He is an elite guy. He is a top 15, top 10 quarterback in the league. Maybe even top five when he's healthy. If he plays a full 17 games, the Dolphins team will be in the playoffs a hundred percent because of I think Mike McDaniel is great at play calling. I think they have a good running game with Raheem Mostert, and they have two of the best receivers in the league with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. So, I mean, the Dolphins are a team that impressed me too. And then, the, I mean, there's some teams in the AFC that I'm a little worried about this week too. The Chiefs played good. I mean, they played sloppy, but they played well enough to win. The Jaguars looked bad offensively. It seemed like they had the ball in the red zone for like – half the game, and they just couldn't score, which, I don't know, I felt like, you know, a lot of people were crowning Trevor Lawrence um, after how last year ended and after week one, but I don't know, I've heard a lot of people start to pick the Titans, I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast, and Bill Simmons thinks that the Titans are going to win the AFC South, which I still think it's going to be the Jags, don't get me wrong, but... The Jags had to win like eight games in a row last year to get into the playoffs. They started three and seven or three and eight, I think. So it's not like they were a 10 or 11 win team last year. They squeaked into the playoffs. So I don't know. They just didn't look great yesterday or Sunday. That is Um, the Giants. Their season was over. I mean, losing to the Cardinals, a team that's tanking allegedly in the fashion that they were losing, the Cardinals got up 20 nothing. <laughs> 20 nothing. They were dominating in every facet of this game. And then the second half, the Giants turned it on. Daniel Jones was great. Saquon Barkley was fantastic. And the Giants lived to fight another week because if they lose that game, I don't see them coming back this year. I mean, uh, there are some teams that I've completely written off after two weeks, too. Like the Bears, 
I mean, I can't believe I bought into this Bears hype a little bit. I had them going eight and nine or nine and eight, which was would be a massive improvement. But we forgot that the Bears aren't good. They're not well coached. They've now lost twelve games in a row, and there are a lot of legitimate concerns, legitimate questions about Justin Fields being the the guy and the answer in Chicago. So that is going to be a very, very interesting storyline to follow as well. Um, The Bills bounce back. Josh Allen looks good. Good for the Bills. How about the NFC East? 7-1 is the division. The Cowboys and Eagles are 2-0, as are the Commanders. Good for the Commanders being 2-0. Maybe that's the best division in football, not the AFC North. So those are just some general, general takeaways from week two of the NFL season. All right, now it's time for our seven in heaven. I did steal the name from the Ken Carmen show in Cleveland, but it's one of my favorite shows, so I'm sure they don't mind. Seven in heaven basically is I will give my seven playoff teams in the AFC, seven playoff teams in the NFC. We are going to update this weekly based off what, like, I'm going to give you the order of the seeding I think it's going to happen. And uh, it's the seven in heaven, the seven playoff teams that will be in playoff heaven towards the end of the season through two weeks. We'll start with the AFC. We're starting with seven, the seventh seed, the last wild card team in the AFC. I still think it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. They are new in my because in my preseason um, playoff predictions, I had the Chargers and Jets making the playoffs in two of the wild card spots. Uh, the Jets are out. Uh, Zach Wilson is not sniffing the playoffs this year. And I think the Chargers are going to fire Brandon Staley pretty quickly. Um, I I mean, I don't know if he makes it past October. So I don't know about that. That's another takeaway from week two I had. We're going to do it after our AFC, AFC things. So we'll start seven in heaven. Number seven, Cleveland Browns. They're going to be the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC. Too much talent and elite defense. And I think Watson, I don't know. I think he has to be better. Maybe it's blind faith. Maybe it's he can't be any worse. But I just don't think a guy forgets how to play quarterback. I think he's going to be better. I think he has to be better. I think he knows he has to be better. I think Stefanski knows he has to be better. I think his teammates know he has to be better. And if he's if he's just average and the defense plays like it has been playing for the remainder of the season, there's no doubt in my mind the Browns should be a playoff team despite not having Nick Chubb. Simple as that. Six in the AFC, the sixth and second wildcard team in the AFC. I still have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the Bengals concern me a tad bit. Um, the start, the I didn't, I didn't think they were going to start 0-2. Um, I thought they were going to beat the Ravens this week, but they had Lamar had an outstanding game. The Ravens had a great game plan. Um, John Harbaugh outcoached Zach Taylor, and Joe Burrow isn't one hundred percent. I mean, the reports are saying he might not play Monday against the Rams, which I don't think would be the worst thing in the world. But the Bengals need to figure it out because you don't want to start zero and three. And if you have Jake Browning starting against the Rams, I think you're going to start zero and three. There's only been one team in the NFL to make the playoffs starting 0-2 since the NFL playoffs expanded to seven teams, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals last year. So it's been done before, but they just haven't looked great. I mean, they looked a little better in the second half, but there's just some concerns. I mean, you got to get Joe Burrow healthy first and foremost. He hasn't looked 100%. He didn't practice throughout training camp. I think that's led to him being a tad bit rusty, but... Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, they got to figure it out because they just have to. They got to figure it out. They're too talented. They have a top five quarterback in the league. They have two really, really great receivers. I mean, and their Super Bowl window is still open. I mean, they don't want to waste this year. So they got to figure it out. I think they will. I still believe in Burrow, so that's why I have the Bengals at six. Five, I have the Buffalo Bills. I still think the Bills are a playoff team. I had them winning the division when I first did my playoff predictions. I now have them getting the top wild card spot in the AFC. Look, there's concerns about the offense a little bit. 
I think the Allen Diggs drama is not a story at all. I think Josh Allen, when he is on, he is a top three quarterback in the league with Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Truly believe that. Um, but it's the pro- that's the problem when he's on. Can he be on every week? If he's on every week, he'll be the MVP of the league. But when he throws interceptions, when he fumbles the ball, when he turns the ball over, the Bills look anemic offensively. But Allen had a great bounce back week. I think he's too talented not to win 11 games. So I still think the Bills are going to make the playoffs. Four in the AFC in the seven in heaven is the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I think the Dolphins, who I originally did not have in the playoffs, not only will make the playoffs, but will win the AFC East. Very talented on offense. Mike McDaniel's done an excellent job play calling the last two years. Been one of the best play callers in the league the last two years, in my opinion. Um, You got two top 15 receivers, I'll say. Clear number one with Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddell is not far behind Tyreek Hill. And when Tua plays the last two years, this Dolphins team has been one of the best teams in the foot in football. And if, if Tua can stay healthy, there's no reason to me why this Dolphins team should not win the AFC. AFC East, that is. Not the AFC as a whole. I still think that's the Chiefs. But... Be competitive in the AFC, yes, and win the AFC East 100%. They have talent on defense, too. They're going to get Jalen Ramsey back at some point. I like the Dolphins as my fourth team and the first division winner in the AFC. Third, number three seed in the AFC currently, I have in my seven and a half playoff picks, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I had the Ravens making the playoffs initially, did not have them winning the division, them getting off to a 2-0 start despite the injuries, how good Lamar has looked. Uh, Lamar looked bad in week one, but looked outstanding in week two. And I think that is the Lamar we're going to see this year. Um, You know, pair that with a lot of struggles with the Bengals, Steelers, and Browns. I think the Ravens are the clear favorites in the AFC North. I have them at three. Two, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Yes, they struggled with the Chiefs, but it's the Chiefs. So, you know, I can't take too much stock into it. I think Trevor Lawrence is still a top seven quarterback in the league. Uh, they got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Um, they won a playoff game last year. I think they're the best team in the AFC South until proven otherwise. So I'm going to go with them at two. Number one, top seed in the AFC, my playoff predictions. I still have the Chiefs. Uh, they're going to figure it out. It's Patrick Mahomes. I've learned to not bet against Patrick Mahomes. Every year he's been in the league. They've hosted the AFC Championship. So I am going to stick with the Chiefs. So seven and have an AFC. One Chiefs, two Jags, three Ravens, four Dolphins, five Bills, six Bengals, and seven your Cleveland Browns. All right, really quick, um, some other storylines in the AFC. I think this week, week three, I sh- maybe I should save this for our week three picks. I'm not going to. I think this week, week three, against the Dolphins in Miami could be Russell Wilson's last start as a Denver Bronco. Um, He's been fine, I guess, through the first two weeks. But if they get to 0-3 and Wilson plays bad, Sean Payton will have no problem pulling the trigger, switching to Jarrett Stidham, because... Peyton's going to do what's best for the team. He's too hes too big of a competitor. He's too much of a competitor. So I think Russell Wilson low-key is on the hot seat as starting quarterback at Denver. I mean, they started 2-1 and one last year under Nathaniel Hackett. People forget. They're 0-2 under Sean Payton, and they and it's been the same formula the last two games. They, they, they've played outstanding in the first half and just completely fallen apart in the second half. So, I mean, that's just a concern for the Broncos. I think the Jets are going to move on from Zach Wilson at some point too. Uh, and I already teased it. I think the the um, the Chargers are going to fire Brandon Staley too. So there's a lot of turmoil in the AFC that I think might be coming in the in the uh, in the coming weeks. All right, NFC seven in heaven before we take a quick break and then get to our week three NFL picks. Um, seven in the NFC. I have the Seattle Seahawks. Um Initially had them missing the playoffs. Now they're back in in favor of the Minnesota Vikings, who started 0-2. Like the Seahawks, liked how Geno Smith and crew bounced back, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, 
you know, they played great in the first half in week one and then just got blown out against the Rams. But the Rams, I'll tell you what, the Rams look a lot better than I think I thought they were going to be through two weeks. Puka Nakua is like one of the surprises of the league, leads the league in catches. I mean, he's been outstanding. But the Seahawks are going to be fine. They're well coached with Pete Carroll. They've been there. They've done that as an organization. Kenneth Walker, um, Tyler Lockett, DK, you know, they got a lot of talent. I think they'll be a playoff team again. Six, I still have the Packers. Um, Jordan Love has looked good through two weeks, I think. Um, They should have won that game on Sunday. They were up 24-12 in the fourth quarter, and they didn't get a first down on their next three or four drives, I think, which is a recipe to lose. But they kind of blew that game. I still think LaFleur is a good coach. I still think they have a lot of talent. And Jordan Love has been better than I thought he would be through two weeks. So I will stick with the Packers as my second team in the NFC, the sixth team in the NFC, excuse me, in our seven in heaven. Five, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, It was either them or the Cowboys getting this spot. I think both of those teams are going to be there at the end of the season, competing for the NFC's title right now through two weeks. Yes, the Cowboys have played two very, very bad football teams, but they've looked eight miles. They've looked miles better than the Eagles have. Eagles have struggled. Yes, they're two and zero, but they've struggled. They haven't really looked like that same team offensively that we saw last year. I know they lost both their offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, who's now the head coach of the Colts, and their defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon, who's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. So both sides of the ball might you know look schematically a little different. Might take some time to gel. The good news for the Eagles is they're still two and zero. So. And I still think they have, will have no problem making the playoffs in the NFC. So I got them at five. Um, four, I have the Saints. I feel really comfortable with the Saints winning the NFC South, uh, despite the Buccaneers and the Falcons also being 2-0. and The Saints' defense is legit. Um, they played great through two weeks. Um, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, man, if he can stay healthy, you know, what's this? who's to say he can't be, get back into that conversation being a top – 20 receiver in the league. Chris Olave is in that conversation already. They're going to get Alvin Kamara back. I think they're the most talented team in the division. I think they have the best quarterback. Sorry, Baker. In the division, in Derek Carr, I like the Saints at four and winning the NFC South. Three, NFC North. I got the Lions. Defense concerns me a little bit. The offense doesn't. Still think they're the most talented team. And just with how bad the Vikings have looked and with how bad especially the Chicago Bears have looked, I still feel very comfortable in the Lions as a playoff team and like them a little bit better than the Packers to win the NFC North. That's why I have them at three this week in our 7-7. Two, I have the Cowboys. Um, They've been outstanding. Like I said, Micah Parsons might be the best defensive, defensive player in the league, I think for sure. Might be the best player in the league, just pure football player. I still think Mahomes has the belt for that title. But Parsons is up there. He just dominates the game. The Cowboys have a lot of strengths. They have a great wide receiver one in C.D. Lamb. They have a good running back, Tony Pollard. Dak is a serviceable quarterback who's won in the playoffs. But that defense is going to carry them and take them as far as they can go. And it's an elite defense. And one of the best, they have the best defensive player in the league. I got them at two. Number one, I got the 49ers. Um, So, yeah, I picked the 49ers to win the NFC preseason. And through two weeks, they've shown me no reason for concern. They look healthy. They have a ton of dudes on both sides of the ball. Brock Purdy has looked good. That was my biggest question with this 49ers team. Is Brock Purdy going to be be okay? Through two weeks, he's been more than okay. So the 49ers are my one seed in the NFC. So playoff picks in the NFC through two weeks. Seven and heaven, one 49ers, two Eagles, three Lions, four Saints, five Cowboys, six Packers, and seven Seahawks. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will pick every game in the NFL's Week 3, give you our picks for Week 3 of the season. Also talk some college football. Big weekend of college football ahead. We'll preview the big games, including Ohio State and Notre Dame in South Bend. All that and more right after this. This is wrestling legend John Cena, and you can't see me. But you're listening to this week's episode, Jack of All Trades. Here's part two.
Welcome back to Season 6, Episode 3 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. We've got a lot to get to in college football. In a second, we're going to preview the weekend's big games. There are, I believe, six matchups between top 25 teams, so we're going to preview those matchups and more in college football. But first, got to finish up the NFL by picking Week 3 of the NFL season every game. we got AFC, NFC, some great um, inter-conference matchups, including the first Loser Leaves Town game of the year. And um, so we're going to get to those picks right now. We went 10-6 and six in week two on our picks. Um, so not great, not bad. Uh, over 500 is what we strive for, and we will take it. So let's start our week three picks with 49ers-Giants. 49ers taking on the Giants on Thursday night football. I want to look – I want to see if I can find the um, the uh, spreads for you for week three just to tell you who – you know what the uh, what the spreads are heading into week three. Okay, so the Giants are ten point favorites in week three. Uh, I mean, uh, not the Giants. Excuse me. I think I said the Giants. The 49ers are ten point favorites. The Giants are ten point underdogs Thursday night. We're gonna roll with the 49ers to win. Uh, they've looked like one of the best teams in football. The Giants didn't score for the first six quarters of the year, and um, they, you know, really. Kind of turned it around in the second half, but there's a chance Saquon might not play in this game. So all those and more are reasons why we are going to pick the 49ers to win. Browns-Titans. Browns are three-point favorites in this one against the Titans um, in Cleveland. Um, oh man. If Nick Chubb was playing, I would pick the Browns. Um, if Deshaun Watson looked good even when Nick Chubb went down last night, I would pick the Browns, but I'm going to pick the Titans because if this Browns team is like the Browns team of old after that injury, the, you do not win the next game if you're the Cleveland Browns. So I'm going to pick the Titans to win against the Browns in Cleveland on Sunday. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that the Browns can prove me on, wrong, that Deshaun plays well. I think they're a more talented team than the Titans. I think they should beat the Titans, but I'm going to pick the Titans to beat the Browns in week three in Cleveland. Lions, Falcons. I believe the Lions are four-point favorites in this one. A battle of, of the Falcons are, of course, 2-0 and this year. Um, I like the Lions at home. I think they bounce back. I don't know how good the Falcons are, actually. They've won two two home games, which you got to win your, your home games in the NFL. But, I mean, I just don't know how good Desmond Ritter is either. So, I have no issue Picking the Lions in this one. Saints going on the road. The 2-0 Saints going on the road to take on the Packers at Lambeau Field. Shout out to my friend Nick Cotter, who is working for the Green Bay Packers. First home game this week in Lambeau. And with that, I'm going to pick the Packers. They are one-point favorites against the Saints at home. And I think the Packers have played pretty well, especially offensively, the first two weeks. So we are going to ride with the Green Bay Packers to win they are, like I said, one-point favorites against the Saints. Broncos-Dolphins in Miami. I got the Dolphins. This is my lock of the week, I think. Dolphins are seven-point favorites. I don't see them losing with how they played the first two games, how the Broncos have looked. And like I said in the first half of the episode, it would not totally shock me if this was um, Russell Wilson's last start as a Denver Bronco. Just saying. The loser leaves town game. The Chargers at the Vikings. The 0-2 Chargers versus the 0-2 Vikings. Two teams that had pretty high expectations going into the year. Two teams that I picked to make the playoffs going into the year. Two playoff teams from a year ago. Two very talented offenses. Um, It's in Minnesota, and I'm going to pick the Vikings. I don't know. I think part of it is because I trust Kevin O'Connell more than Brandon Staley. I think part of it's because they're in Minnesota. I think part of it's because Kirk Cousins has actually been pretty good through the first two weeks. So we're going to roll with Minnesota to win. And um, I think the Chargers have a lot of issues. And I think, honestly, no matter how good Justin Herbert is, that they are not going to overcome Brandon Staley's coaching. So I like the Vikings to beat the Chargers at home. Patriots-Jets in New York. It's Bill Belichick versus Zach Wilson, so I'm going to pick Bill Belichick. And the Patriots, I think they win big in New York against the Jets. A battle of a a surprise 2-0 team taking on the Bills, who are heavily favored. I believe it is 
six and a half. The Bills are six and a half point favorites. I should have mentioned the Patriots are two two point favorites over the Jets. The Bills are six and a half point favorites over the Commanders. I think they will beat the Commanders. I think Josh Allen returned to form a little bit in week two. And I expect that to continue. And I think the Commanders have played two bad teams, the Cardinals and the Broncos, through the first two weeks. And I expect the Bills to be able to have a pretty easy time with the Commanders. Texans at Jaguars. Jags are nine-point favorites. I like the Jags to win. Um, Stroud has looked good for the Texans through two weeks, and it's all about developing him. And I think the Jags bounce back and that the offense actually has a pretty good day. Ravens hosting the Colts. The Ravens are... Eight-point favorites. I like the Ravens to cover and win, uh, especially if Anthony Richardson doesn't play. Colts have looked good, actually, through two weeks, but the Ravens, I think, are one of the best teams in the AFC right now. Panthers at Seahawks. Uh, This is my other lock of the week. Seahawks are only four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Panthers, which I feel like that's pretty, pretty low. I think the Seahawks are going to win by, like, 10. So I got the Seahawks. Chiefs-Bears is going to be a snoozer. I think the Chiefs are going to roll. They're 12.5-point favorites, and I think they cover. Uh, The Bears are really bad. They are really, really bad. And I think Justin Fields might be bad. And as an Ohio State fan, that sucks. I just don't think he's good. Cowboys and Cardinals. The Cardinals are 12.5-point underdogs. I like the Cowboys to roll. Um, Yeah, I think Micah Parsons might break the sacks record in this game (laughs) for, for sacks in a single game. So, yeah. The Who Cares game of the week is on Sunday Night Football, sadly. It's the Steelers and the Raiders in Las Vegas. I'm going to go with... Ah, man, I don't know. Two bad teams. Raiders are one-point underdogs. Steelers are one-point favorites. Two bad offenses. Two teams that just don't excite me. I'll pick the Steelers on the road, though. I think they're better coached than the Raiders. I'll take Mike Tomlin over Josh McDaniels. That's why I'm going with the Steelers. And then we have two Monday Night games. Eagles at Buccaneers. Buccaneers, six and a half point underdogs. I like the Buccaneers to cover. I think they're going to play well at home, but I think the Eagles are too talented to lose to Baker Mayfield. Sorry, Baker. Sorry. I think the Eagles are going to win. Then we got Rams, Bengals. Um, Bengals are five and a half point favorites. I'm going to pick the Rams to win this game because I think Joe Burrow isn't going to play and I don't know if he's hundred percent and the Rams have impressed me. So those are my picks. Let's read them to you once again real quick. 49ers over Giants, Titans over Browns, Lions over Falcons, Packers over Saints, Dolphins over Broncos, Vikings over Chargers, Patriots over Jets, Bills over Commanders, Jags over Texans, Ravens over Colts, Seahawks over Panthers, Chiefs over Bears, Cowboys over Cardinals, Steelers over Raiders, Eagles over Buccaneers, and an upset Rams over Bengals. I I think Joe Burrow's not going to play. That's what the rumors have been. So those are my picks for week three of the NFL season. Let's wrap up with some college football. Six top 25 matchups this week, including the biggest one between number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame. We are going to pick all of those ranked matchups and some other of the big ones, and we'll start with Florida State and Clemson. Um, Perhaps the game of the year in in the ACC. Uh, Number four, Florida State is... Coming off a game against Boston College, which they only won by two. They looked pretty, pretty vulnerable. Clemson was awful against Duke in week one, but it bounced back against inferior inferior opponents um, the last two weeks. Last year when these two teams played, Florida State and Clemson, Jordan Travis rallied Florida State in the fourth quarter. And this is a chance for the Seminoles, who are still top five team, to break the Tigers' seven-game win streak in the series. Clemson has limited opposing quarterbacks to a 52.1 completion percentage. So Jordan Travis is going to have to be accurate with his receivers. Um, I like Clemson to win this game in Death Valley. I don't know. I think it's because they're at home. I think Dabo's probably a little bit better of a coach too. I think they beat Florida State in an upset. So I think that's going to be an upset. I like Clemson. Um, the first ranked game of the week, how about Ole Miss, Alabama? In Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban hasn't found the right quarterback. They got an ugly, ugly win last week. 17-3, Alabama beat South Florida in Tampa. Um, so Alabama, they bench Jalen Milrow after they lose to Texas. They start Tyler, uh, Tyler, uh, is it Buckner? I think it's Tyler Buckner. He's a Notre Dame transfer. Yeah, Tyler Buckner, they start him, and he's awful in the first half. And then they go to a true freshman. Uh, 
Um, so I think they're going to go back to Jalen Milrow. Um, I'm very tempted to take Ole Miss here. Lane Kiffin has that offense rolling. Um, Jackson Dart has been very efficient for Ole Miss too. Um, but Alabama hasn't lost two straight two straight games at Bryant-Denny Stadium since 2007. I think Jalen Milrow gets the start, and I think Alabama beats Ole Miss at home. Number 22, UCLA at number 11, Utah. Great Pac-12 matchup here. UCLA beat Utah 42-32 last season, but now the Bruins are going on the road to Utah. Um, the Bruins scored 28 second half points against Utah to beat them. Um, it's a different ball game on the road. Utah is 23-1 at home since 2019. And I think Utah is going to win, even if Cam Rising does not play. So I like the Utes to beat UCLA. The story of the college football season, one of the stories has been Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, former Kent State head coach Sean Lewis, someone who I admire greatly and enjoyed covering while he was at Kent State. And the Colorado Buffaloes are 3-0, number 19, coming off a thrilling double overtime win against their rivals from Colorado State. Shador Sanders looks like he might be the Heisman favorite. They're without Travis Hunter, who had a hurt liver. I forget what the term is, but he got hit late in the Colorado State game. He's going to be out. They're playing at number 10, Oregon, who's 20 and a half point favorites. I like Oregon to win. Um, I think they're gonna, I think Colorado's going to take their first loss under Coach Prime. Um, I just think Oregon's better. I said in the College Football Preview podcast episode that I think Oregon has a chance to be one of the sleeper teams this year. So I like the Ducks to beat Coach Prime and Colorado. Another Pac-12 ranked matchup is or number 14, Oregon State at number 21, Washington State. The uh, left behind bowl, if you will, the two lone teams remaining in the Pac-12 after this year. The Beavers won it 24-10 last season. It broke Washington State's eight-game win streak in the rivalry. Oregon State has not won at Washington State since 2013. Um, it's a fun quarterback matchup between Oregon State's DJ Uyangalale and Washington State's Cameron Ward. I think it's going to be an upset, and I think Washington State beats Oregon State at home. Then we got the biggest game of the week. Number six, Ohio State. Number nine, Notre Dame. Sam Hartman. Notre Dame, a big play passing attack. Ohio State, new quarterback. They got some great weapons. They got a new look defense that's been playing really well. Ohio State's only three-point favorites. But the Buckeyes offense finally looked like it put it together. And Kyle McCord has looked like he started to settle in for the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes have won the last six meetings against Notre Dame by an average of 14.6 points, but Sam Hartman has changed the conversation in South Bend. Notre Dame has a big play passing attack now. They have great running backs too. Can they make it enough? Can they make enough plays against the Buckeyes defense that has allowed just 6.7 points per game so far this season? Um, I'm going to say no. I just think Ohio State's more talented, and I think Ryan Day's a better coach than Marcus Freeman. So I'm going to take Ohio State to win, but it would not shock me if Notre Dame won this game. It all depends on Kyle McCord, and I think he's not going to make mistakes. So I think Ohio State's going to win. Then I believe the last ranked matchup is Penn State and Iowa. Um, Penn State has lost the last two meetings with Iowa, but this team has a different look. They're led by uh, starting quarterback Drew Aller, Medina, Ohio's own. They have no turnovers through three weeks. Defense is good. I think Penn State's going to roll Iowa. I think they win by 20. It's the whiteout game, too, for Penn State. And they always seem to play well in those. So I got the Nittany Lions beating the Hawkeyes. So those are a preview and picks for the biggest games in college football this weekend. Been a really fun season so far. Last week, non-conference play, I should say. Then it's going to be conference play time. So I'm very, very excited for college football. Very, very excited for the NFL season to continue. And with that, we will call it an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. You can give the podcast a follow on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. That's at J-O-A-T Sports Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real J Burns at the Real J B-E-R-N-Z. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Jack Bernie TV. That's more for my uh, TV reporting side of my journalism. So if you're interested in that, 
Give me a follow there. Appreciate you guys listening. If you like the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, share the podcast with your friends. If you're, you know, if you're a big sports fan, you want to talk sports, play the podcast. You can argue with me. You know, I love arguing about sports. I love talking about sports. And if you're a sports fan, you want to talk on the podcast, hit me up. I love having guests on. So um, I just appreciate you guys continuing to support me and listen to the podcast and excited to do another episode next week. Continue to bring you great content throughout the NFL and college football seasons. Baseball playoffs coming up too. So it's one of the most exciting times in the sports calendar. And Jack of all trades will have all your breakdowns right here. We'll be back with another award-winning episode next week. Until then, I've been Jack Burney signing off. Have a great week, everybody.